0: You're listening to episode 192 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable podcast, broadcast where the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchewart, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get to today's episode, I want to invite you to Mid-America Reformed Seminary's 2023 Center for Missions and Evangelism Conference held in Lansing, Illinois on October 6-7. At this year's conference titled Beyond the Walls, Faithful Mission in an Age of Adversity, our speakers, including Burke Parsons from Ligonier Ministries, Chad Vegas from Radius International, faculty from the seminary, and others, will bring an encouragement to church leaders and lay people alike by focusing on what it looks like to do faithfully reformed, outward-facing ministry together in an age of adversity. Look for more information at our website at midamerica.edu slash CME slash conference. Register today and join us for this opportunity as we seek to grow and learn together. I'm back with Dr. Alan Strange on the campus of Mid-America Reformed Seminary, continuing our conversation on the controversial subject of Christian nationalism. Thanks for being back. Not everyone would want to when talking about this necessarily, but thank you. I appreciate that. This is uh a, it's not easy to talk about
1: because there's so much involved here. Uh and as I say there's there's many things about which we as confessional Christians have lots of agreement but we don't necessarily think that it means all the same thing as it
0: expresses itself. So the title of this episode is is very blunt and straightforward, uh what's wrong with Christian nationalism? Now uh, this presupposes that if anyone listening um, has listened to the last two episodes in this series, they would have picked up some clues that you were probably going in this direction. But I want to hear you elaborate on and address the seriousness of that question, starting with Stephen Wolf's treatment of Christian nationalism. You've read his book. You've you've even addressed uh, that book and this subject matter in your modern church history class at the tail end of last semester Dr. Strange, I'll just bluntly ask, is there anything good about Wolf's book or this movement?
1: Well, I would say this, Jared. I, th- I think I've said that um, in terms of looking at and diagnosing our culture and vicious secularism and expressive individualism and many of the problems that beset us in this particular era, I think there would be a great deal of agreement about these things are of concern to many Christians, uh, whatever specific sort they might be. And I think also Wolfe's book, you could say, because he does, as a political theorist, look seriously uh, at, um, at a number of thinkers within the Reformed faith and take them seriously. I think he desires to take seriously the lordship of Christ, which I take very seriously I know that Doug Wilson has had a recent blog in which he has raised the question of uh, there must be something transcendent uh, to ground all of our ethics. And of course, I affirm this. But you see, the, the question is twofold. How clearly does the Bible set forth something explicit as a blueprint for government? Uh, I don't think it does set forth an explicit blueprint for government, for civil government. I think it sets forth all the principles that we would want to employ properly in politics, but the outworking of those I don't think are set forth. Let me just say this. I think another thing that could have been considered in Wolf's work where he didn't discuss something like the Jerusalem Council which made clear that Gentiles, that is to say the rest of the world, did not have to become Israelized. Mm-hmm. And so the project of the Israelization of the world is not what we're about any more than we would disagree with our Muslim uh, friends that the Islamization of the world is about. the Their view is... That the whole world needs to come to speak Arabic, right? And read the Quran in Arabic. We believe that we go into every part of the world and we translate these are some of the particularities that Wolf might point out of the different cultures. We affirm that, but we at the same time say there is this one central message uh, that does bridge barriers, that does bridge gaps. Uh, and so Wolf so emphasizes the particularity he does it you asked last time about grace restoring nature and wolf often uses that term which we agree with uh to say what feels natural to us in terms of gifts instincts what that means of course grace restoring nature is the original creation designed for something but wolf will say well don't you wish to don't you wish to um be friends with your friends. Don't you wish to show to your own family primary kindness and all of that? And that's absolutely the case. But that also gets qualified by the gospel because Jesus says things like, if you only show kindness to the friends that you think can return it to you and not the one in need who may be a stranger, you're no better than the Pharisees. And then he says about family, he relativizes that. He says, Uh, You have to hate father, mother, sister, brother, and your own life too. Now, we all understand he doesn't mean hate in a literal sense, but he means relative to him and his kingdom and its values. And his kingdom values, which his kingdom is not a kingdom of this world, his kingdom values are what is superior. And if you put anything in the place of that, it's idolatry. And it seems to me, uh, if you were to ask what are the chief flaws of the book, the book is a huge distraction at best in other words it's 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 taking christians eyes off the ball so to speak that that they should have their eyes on for a christian what should be central really are the concerns of their own personal lives together with their families together with their church in other words what should be central is that they are walking with christ and they are seeking to bring this message uh, of you need to come to Christ, you need to walk for with Christ and live for Christ. They need to. We need to be bringing this to the world. And what Wolf is saying is what we need to be bringing to the world is to subdue it to Christ. Whether in their hearts they're doing that or not, they need to bow the knee to Christ at least outwardly. Everybody needs to be in due submission to this. And I don't disagree that people need to be in due submission to this, but that doesn't come about with swords loud clashing. That doesn't come about with us forcing this upon people. Uh, to the degree that we had that approach in previous times, many of us, I believe, have rightly come to see better than that. And, and part of the problem of all of this, Jared, is, as I was going back to saying, Our program is not like the Muslims, they have the Arabization of the world, or like maybe even some Christian Reconstructionist, depending on how you view things, the kind of Israelization of the world. We, We don't have that as our program. What we have is a program that as its center is spiritual. We're taking this spiritual message into every place, and I believe Wolf's approach subverts that. He subverts it because he really sees as primary the establishment of Christian culture and Christian nations. And I'm concerned as a historian, I can understand he has this political ideal, sort of like, you know, Plato has this ideal of the Republic and he puts this out there uh, and the philosopher king. Well, he speaks about a Christian prince. And so he has these ideals that he would like to bring about. But the question is, in terms of the the on-the-ground history, which is where we are right now, how do we get there from here? And then you have to say, again, if you want to put it the way, say, Rush Dooney was putting it to me in the lunch, or Bonson. Well, we don't do it by force. We don't do it by revolution. We do it by regeneration, changing people's hearts, winning people. I don't happen to see the witness of Scripture to be that there's going to be this massive winning of hearts, and people are going to—I don't see that as the witness of Scripture. However, it's very different, though, and that's an internist and debate that we can have among ourselves. It's very different that if God were to bring about— uh, such a change uh, in, say, American society, that American society wanted to more openly and and expressly embrace these kind of Christian convictions. That would be one thing. But I want no part, and I don't want those to whom I minister to be distracted by thinking that we're supposed to have some part. Our focus should be, we have to subdue this land by hook or crook to the Lord. Uh, I want to subdue this land to the Lord and every land to the Lord. Uh, Psalm 2, uh, you know, kiss the son lest he be angry. And you perish out of the way. But that's through the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. It's through the preaching of the gospel, and that's what subdues hearts. That's what wins, and it's a, it's a winsomeness. Yes, Jesus is Lord, but the same one who is Lord says, Come unto me, mm-hmm. all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's why... I, you know I prefer something like Dane Ortland's approach uh, in terms of gentle and lowly and there's nothing of that here hmm. uh, there's really nothing of that here when you talk about flaws of the book problems with the book what the book seems calculated to achieve is a real dissatisfaction, stir up, whip up the dissatisfaction on the part of God's people. If I may, some of our listeners who are older may remember the classic movie from the 70s, 1976, I think it was. Paddy Chayefsky, who was, I think, a communist, was the director. Network, and it won Academy Awards and so forth. And this man, Peter Finch, uh, won a posthumous Academy Award. He played an anchorman on a network, who on air went insane, which you couldn't tell that anymore, I suppose, if it were to happen. But he, he goes insane on the air, and he urges everyone to go over and to throw their windows open. And because this is a family program, I'm going to clean the language up here. But he, got, he, he says, go to your windows and throw them open and yell out, I'm as mad as heck, and I'm not going to take it anymore. There's a sense in which this book is a kind of call for that. Hmm. And where's the Christian humility? Where's the Christian we win through weakness? When, when our, uh, there seems to be a despising of that. You know, Paul says, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. This is a call for Christians to be as power grabbing as the Gentile world leaders who lord it over you to use the language of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And he says, rather, you ought to wash one another's feet. And he says, he who would be greatest would be last. And I remember very, very much when I was uh, ordained and installed the charge given to me by Richard Gaffin, Dick Gaffin, as many of us know him and love him. And he said, kingdom greatness is a four-letter word Spelled L-A-S-T. And I can only regret that I have not embodied that more in my own life and ministry. That is my desire. That is my goal. And this sort of book just does not savor of that kind of thing at all. I, I hate to say it. And so we have, I have with, with Brother Wolf and, and others of that sort, A difference, a disagreement in the whole approach to this. It isn't that there's not lots of things we don't agree on, but how do you go about this? And he says that the church and pastors in the church, the church is kind of a support agency and the pastors should be viewed as chaplains. It's like we're in this war and the pastors are chaplains uh, in the support of this greater effort. And his approach really means the marginalization of the church.
0: Now, you've you've used some pretty strong language to define this book. You've even called it toxic and dangerous. Explain. Well,
1: I took no pleasure and take no pleasure in that. But I think Wolf's call for revolution, and he says that we're in a tyrannical situation that justifies such, although at points he seems to back off from that, and say, well, there are still things that we could do short of this. Well, of course, if there are things that you could do short of this, you're not really in a tyrannical situation. And you wonder, I mean, you think of situations like China, like North Korea, which are real tyrannies. And you should really be ashamed to say exactly what we have is that. But, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it is toxic because this call for revelation, uh, revolution, uh, does play into a variety of hands, including racist hands. I mean, there are things I don't have any clear notion of this with respect to Wolf. I, I, I don't charge him with this, though he has said some things I mentioned last time that are unwise in this respect. And but I think this plays into racist hands when you talk about ethnicity uh, and in ways that sound like uh, Nietzsche or sound like Mein Kampf and you don't distinguish particularly, uh, and you're encouraging young men to sort of strike out. And as I said in that example uh, from Network, to refuse to take it anymore. You've been pushed around, you've been manhandled, um, and you could say, is this not just another internal reform debate? Well, I don't think so because of the place that it gives to violence. And as I've said, even people um, like Brother Rush Dooney in the lunch were making it very clear. No, the our goal ought to be the regeneration of hearts and lives. And as lives are changed, as people are changed, that will reflect itself in society. Now, again, I don't read the scripture to say there's a massive change coming. But if it comes, I will not complain. (laughs) I will not complain. And I think that's the kind of thing we should work for is getting the gospel out and at best, this is a distraction from that. At worse, it's a replacement of what we ought to be doing with something that we should not be doing, and will create proud, um, resentful people who are, you know, we're undergoing difficulties in our present society. Should we be proud, resentful, resistant, wanting to go after the people who are we think creating problems from us or should we even love our enemies
0: next time we conclude our series on christian nationalism by asking the question what do we do with and about christian nationalism what is the solution to responding to a sinful world and where should our focus be If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchibor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.